Welcome once again to a new episode of the Unseen Underground podcast. I'm your host, Unsung, at Unsung the Rapper on socials. My real name is... Uh, so I was out last week and Chaz took over and apparently he made a AI robot version of me. Is that right? Yeah, it's the Steve robot. Yeah, I didn't give you permission for that. But anyway, I'm back this Steve, week. Steve, so Steve, What's Steve. that? Uh, I also did a Chaz robot in my spare time. Yeah, man, don't mind me. I'm just hanging out shooting the breeze, if you will. What? Why? Why are you? Why are you British? Why are you not? So, are they? Are they gonna be like co-hosts from now on? Or? I don't know. Maybe you should ask them, man. There are a number of things I'd like to tell you about that question. I wouldn't care to tell you anything about that question. Who are you? I am he who walks the streets. I am the hunter with the golden bow. Death to all human things. Oh, look what you did. You made a human-killing robot. I mean, he yeah. wasn't like that before you showed up, so I don't uh, know. Let's just get on with the show. What's that? What's what? Oh, that's the office phone. It's uh, the <laughs> the red light's blinking. That means we have a, a voicemail. Nobody's calling here. Let's play it and see what they say. Yo, this is Steve. Hey, man, I don't appreciate you having my... Um, the imposter on instead of talking to me. You know what I'm saying? You had him as a guest and he had to talk all his, you know, like time traveling mumbo jumbo. He ain't traveled shit. This guy's gonna beat you down. He's sitting here taking credit for stuff he ain't got nothing to do with. And he owed me that flush capacitor. You know what I'm saying? But it's all good. You know, I appreciate your show. I listen to it every week, obviously. You know what I'm saying? And if you didn't know, this is ill subliminal in the place to be. Um, also shout out, shout out your boy Chaz, you know what I'm saying? Even though he, he, he took me for some loot saying he was going to get me into the Kumite. Chaz. You know what I'm saying? I still ain't forgot about that, Chaz. You owe me some money, homie. God damn it. Just know that I'm going to get it. I'm going to get my fucking flux capacitor back from that other dude, but we ain't going to talk about that. All right? You be peaceful. So what's what's this about you owing El Subliminal money? I really don't know what he's talking about. He gave me money. I didn't give it back to him, and I didn't get him what he wanted me to get him so with you, it. So you know exactly what he's talking about. No clue, really. I think he was talking about 30-something earlier with the flux capacitor thing. I'll have to give him a heads up. Um, Hang on, but you're on fire. What? Yo. I'm literally putting the fire on Chaz now. Bot's on fire, Chaz. Yeah, but your Steve Bot's got to take oh, care of. Oh, God. Good. No more fires. Okay. Today we are interviewing Lou, L-U exclamation mark, and we will be giving you all of the links to Lou's music. He's a fantastic producer, and I'm super excited to have him on the show. I uh, have some great stories for you. All right. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me again today. And my guest today is Lou with an exclamation mark. Uh, Lou does a lot of production work, has worked with some amazing, talented rappers and other musicians. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of let you introduce yourself and tell the people a little bit more about you. Hi, um, thank you for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure to listen to the previous episodes and thank you thank for you connecting. So um, yeah, my name is Lou Lucas. I go, well, I used to go by many, many names. Um, the Flat White, if, if anybody called that a couple of years ago and others that are probably lost to time because I've been making music since like 1998, something like that. Right. Um, 
and while still being in high school or, or just just uh, graduating and going to university, I'm originally from Poland, so the education system mm-hmm. was quite different at that time. So yeah, I had my different names. Some of them are just so ridiculous. So about '98. So you were you said you were in high school at the time when you started making music. Yeah, I was. I got into rap in like '94. I was a kid, mm-hmm. but I had satellite yeah. TV, and I saw the video for "The Mystery of Chess Boxing" by Wu Tang. Great. And it yeah. blew my mind. This is incredible. <laughs> like I never heard anything like that. And you know, they had these costumes, and the editing was right. was also cool. Especially that transition. You know, they, when the ODB announces Ghostface, I, yes. yeah, I was like, it, yeah. you know, I was like, these dudes have swords. It's insane. <laughs> uh, so I was hooked from then. I was I was looking for, for hip hop like everywhere I could right. find. <laughs> so yeah, that, that journey that's, started quite early for me. That's a great introduction. I, I'd say probably around the same time for me, mm. but it, mine was um, Tribe Called Quest and you know, like uh, when Snoop Dogg came out. Yeah. It, when, when Snoop Dogg and Dre kind of came out, um, with their own solo work, mm-hmm. you know, after Dre did that whole NWA thing, it just felt so like, should I be, should I be exposed? You know, like I was, <laughs> I was still kind of young, and it was like, this look, this is like dangerous. You know, it's it's so exciting. Like I get to see this. Yeah, like, what's going on? Oh, I can only imagine. Um, you know, like another factor is the the language barrier. Again, like right. I was just looking at this, and it just sounded so awesome. I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. Like my my understanding of English was very basic at that point, and it's only gotcha. a- after you know years of school and just again listening to rap music i learned enough to kind of start understanding what they are talking about and it was weird when i moved to the yeah. uk because i just moved there with a with an american accent and nobody could understand <laughs> mm-hmm. me either that was <laughs> that was that was pretty fun and you're going strong now like i i mean you've worked with some some insanely talented rappers and the music that you've been making and i and i have been listening to it is is just stellar it's very very good oh thank you i can't i can't wait for some people to check it out on the show if they haven't heard it yet and get more familiar with your work oh thank you yeah i really appreciate it it's 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 something that i just do whenever i get you know half an hour here and there it's 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 so hard to organize the time but same but i I always give it like 300 percent i i'm I'm sitting on some tracks right now and i'm carefully sculpturing them you know adding instruments taking stuff away just so i i can be happy with it and when it you know other people hear it like i know it's going to be quality yeah and we're in the same boat yeah life is uh difficult to navigate and make time for some of this stuff so i i completely understand that and also balancing because some folks just release stuff non-stop and i'm super impressed by that there's something about the quality that something suffers i don't know it's just a different mindset i guess you cannot judge it you know yeah i I understand that i understand i in my opinion you know some people can pull that off and and surprise me with the quality of their content some people you do notice uh maybe if you would have waited a little bit longer to work on that a little bit more for me if i release things you know like two albums every couple months or something like that you know some of these schedules that people have are insane Mm. it would sound terrible (laughs) (laughs) some people can pull it off i cannot i i take like three years to record an album 
maybe four right <laughs> you know and but isn't isn't that happens. how it used to be remember like somebody dropped an album and it was like really anticipated because then you knew that if, if the next one will drop if it ever drops it's gonna be years right. you know now right, now exactly. people having like three four releases a year and all of them are right. really good quality as well it's they are it's absolutely times changed and i i blame yeah. technology for that like the, the fact that everything became so accessible and people don't have to get studio time just to record quality stuff when in terms of like rappers and producers as well just getting the gear it's it's, it's in, yeah it's incredibly true yeah the accessibility is is kind of what you know we fought for so hard mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways and it, and it kind of came back to bite us yes. in, in some respects too yes we just have to work and keep up it does keep ingenuity alive and um ideas so i do love the spirit of trying to come up with some new ideas mm. to really cement yourself in there. I respect that aspect of it, but it does also have, it, it, it's almost like it has ideas run out of steam faster. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to, in, in the same way with social media, you know, in, in regular idea or joke isn't as funny anymore because, you know, like half a million people have made this joke in the, in the same comment thread or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. You, you you have to work so much harder and these ideas just, you burn through them so quickly. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough. Oh yeah, I'm fascinated <laughs> by this um, on many different levels, like music, social media, or, or social movements, or what's happening in the world. Everybody has right. this, um, uh, many people that I talk to feel like, let's say reality is speeding up. Mm. Everything's happening faster at once, right. you know, social change and whatever. And I, I do, think that this is directly related to just information flow. There's so much information bombarding us of all kinds, you know, education, but yeah. also news and whatnot. And people get switched on faster and we get into this treadmill of like, well, such and such is releasing three albums a year. Well, I have to like, right. you know, one up this or whatever. Or in case of jokes, you know, memes used to last months. Now a lifetime of a meme on the internet is like, well, like a week and it already people yeah, will tell you exactly. that it's played out. It's everything's right. kind of accelerating, but it is, it is what happens when you live like in the exponential growth era. It's true. And I, I think a lot of this stuff that, that we experience in our lifetime, you know, a lot of these comings and goings of especially in politics and social things are very cyclical you know it especially in this country you know you you have a, a democrat one term you have a republican another term back and forth but i think in terms of like the speed of social media mm. and just in society as a whole these things are still seem to be cyclical they just seem to rotate a lot faster yes you know you you get from point a to point a quicker than you used to it would take a little bit longer mm. 100%. Do you want to just kind of dive into the first uh, the first story of the first sequence you had? Of course. Yeah. So okay. I'd love to hear. Yeah. Um, so when you when you posted the idea about this podcast, my first reaction was like, oh, man, I do not remember my dreams because I don't. And I have also mm -hmm. a related thing, which I discovered, I don't know, like six months ago on the Internet. It's called aphantasia, which is uh, inability to see anything in your mind's eye. So majority of people, when they close their eyes and you ask them to like visualize an apple, they can, they can see the apple in their mind's eye and then they can mm -hmm. describe the details. They can tell you whether it's red or something for me, it's, it's either pitch dark, like I see nothing, or it's like a very faint image, almost like a 
like a photo that you see for like a split second and it just disappears. So I cannot see anything. Therefore, I think wow. that that also <laughs> impacts my dreaming because I mostly don't remember my dreams. Yeah. yeah. I, I've never heard of, Hold on one second. I, I'm sorry to stop you. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. What is what is the term again? Aphantasia. A-P-H-A-N-T-A-S-I-A. Yes. Okay. And I was talking to the, not, not to name drop or anything. We just know each other by accident. Like uh, I was talking to the co-founder of Splice and, and he said, oh uh -huh. yeah, I have the same. And like, yeah. And you know, because we are both software engineers and you know, you have to like draw the diagrams on the board because otherwise you cannot do anything in your head when you visualize the system. He was like, huh, ah. you know, it's like people go 40 years of their life with that and like never realize it. It, it the only thing that really tr truly makes difficult is renovation because uh, you know, <laughs> you have <to> wait. <laughs> I have no idea where the furniture will go until I right. move it myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So coming back to the dreams. So I, I just wake up every every morning and, you know, either had a good night or I had a bad night, but like as if nothing happened, like I know that I was dreaming, but I cannot recall anything. So when it happens, it's it's almost like a, um, a, a special event for me. It's like, oh, I had this dream and yeah. nine times out of 10, what I'm dreaming about is, is well, again, inability to visualize, but it's more like a feeling of things. Mm -hmm. And the theme that comes back over and over are just these vast cities. They are just, just imagine being in Tokyo, if you have ever had the chance to go. It's it's just mm -hmm. infinite city. You just look yeah. at the landscape if you're on a, on some high point in your city. You see the Mount Fuji somewhere in the background, but overall you just see buildings. And my dreams are like that. The, the buildings are on top of buildings, just layers of them, and they're like hanging gardens of them, or they are just sometimes like desolate ruins or whatever. And yeah. I have no idea what happens in those dreams, but this, this feeling of like vastness in a man-made landscape is very eerie because you usually can only experience that in nature when you're awake. There are very few cities right. that are like so, you know, so vast. And I have right. no idea where that comes from. Because, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to travel around the world and see, you know, different places. But I, I mm -hmm. never seen anything like that that comes to my dreams. And it, it bothers me to a point because, like, I'm not an architect. I don't think about urbanization and city planning or anything like that. It's just a random bit. You said nine, nine times out of ten, this is, the, this is what your dream is. Sometimes it's just, just random stuff, like truly random things, like people with wings instead of arms and they're flying around uh -huh. in those cities. And I'm just walking there or whatever, or being the main uh, character of a story, what mm -hmm. have you. But like those details always are very elusive. They, they disappear within seconds after waking up at that, that image. Uh, one of the few images I can I can bring into, you know, uh, see it is is of those huge cities. And the closest I ever seen something like that to being in the form of art, I'm not sure how familiar with like comic books and manga, but there is this mm -hmm. uh, guy, his name is Tsutomu Nihei. He wrote this manga called Blame with an exclamation mark. I think they even made it, Netflix made it into an anime. It's pretty shit, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and it, it's a fascinating story. The whole thing is, I think it's for free on Amazon's Comixology. It's worth reading. Okay. The, the plot doesn't really, like, th there is a plot. It's fine. But the art just shows you this city that grew to, to being bigger than, I think, it started on the Earth and it reaches all the way to Jupiter or something like that. Like it's just one mega structure. 
and yeah. it's just about the the a guy that walks through this this place. That's that's a, no spoilers. Um, yeah. yeah. But a lot of the art that he he draws there kind of reminds me of my dreams when there's like a tiny human, you know, like few pixels, and then there's this vast landscape and it's just buildings or just inside of a huge building or whatever. It's it's pretty trippy. So do you remember the other one out of ten? dreams that you have that <laughs> that aren't this one? Uh, I, I guess like the benefit of that is that I don't have nightmares never the only right. nightmare in my life it was when I was a kid I was like maybe four and I was ill I remember having a fever because my, my parents were you know taking care of me wanted to take me to mm -hmm. a doctor and I was just dreaming about uh yeah this is one of the most vivid dreams was dreaming about like humans again growing wings instead of arms and they were just flying above me and I was I was so hot and I was just looking at them and they were kind of like vultures but they were humans with wings circling around me yeah. uh, and but at the same time they were very cartoony like uh, Bugs Bunny style cartoons mm -hmm. and you know there was this childlike softness to the image but it was also very very scary but that's like the only nightmare in my life that I had that actually woke me up in the middle wow. of the night but that's it I never had any because again <laughs> You know the benefit of, of not dreaming really uh, in in a in a way that makes my brain remember it it says on here that uh people with aphantasia are less affected by scary stories since they cannot visualize them is there any truth for you to that yeah i uh well to a point okay um yeah. i'm not a fan of horror i i i don't know it just doesn't look appealing to me as a no. as a genre like of movies uh, i used to read a lot of horror books i don't know like as far as like scary stories they don't have an effect because yeah again like i cannot visualize that much that <laughs> the story that somebody's yeah. telling so let's go ahead and listen to a song from from lou was there a particular one you had in mind well given that it's about dreams and, and huge landscapes i think lavish pyramids from fragments will be very fitting one but we're gonna listen to lavish pyramids and we'll be right back
Okay, and welcome back. Uh, we're here with Lou, and I think we're going to go get into some other other tales. Yes, sir. Um, so that was another part of the, the your idea that you had for this podcast to talk about the paranormal, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, events that people had or experience. And I, I am somewhat trying to find the right word that captures it. I, I, wanna, I don't want to say a skeptic because that's... That has very different connotations uh, in in some ways, but I'm let's say I'm being a very rational person, so I use the Occam's razor. I don't want everyone yeah. to think that I just believe in mm-hmm. everything. You know, the main reason I wanted to do this, besides it just sounding fun, was because I've never experienced anything um, in my life that I could I could say, oh wow, that was definitely something strange right. or paranormal but I, I do like to hear other people's right, stories right. so like that's the main reason for wanting to do this so even if even if somebody is an extreme skeptic i'm i'm really interested in hear why they're a skeptic you know like i'm open to i'm open to everything so well exactly please, that's what free. that's what i was getting at that's why that the word there you know being a skeptic doesn't capture it because i i am also open to those things i it's just perhaps mm-hmm. the angle uh, that i that I have when, when hearing those stories or seeing it in, in let's say, uh, media and so on, it's just more of a, well, what is like the simplest explanation for something? You know what I mean? I'm not rejecting the idea, just like you. And, and sure. also, sure. just like you, I just never had the chance to speak to somebody face to face that, you know, that, that had this sort of experience. It always gets to, to me, probably to you as well, through just media. You know, there's some interview with someone, right. an article. You see something on a newsstand and, and so on. And all the, let's say, the scary stories and paranormal things. Uh, that was just like not present throughout my childhood. You know, there were like some uh, more traditional stories around the Christmas time. Or like devil will come to take your presence or whatever. I don't remember the specifics just to scare you to go to church <laughs> type of thing. But, you know, none right. of my neighbors were like, oh, yeah, I went last night and I saw some lights on the, on the sky like that just, that just didn't happen. Interestingly, when the communism yeah. fell and we started to get like more free media and all these magazines and stuff, that's when those things exploded. Because prior to that, you know, all the press and media was controlled by the government. So there was no like a free enterprise to do those things. But as soon as you had the, right. you know, the economic freedom to start magazines like that, they were just selling <laughs> every cable channel had some sort of psychic or something there was this dude that would like tell you to you know tune in at 2 p.m grab a bottle of water and and then you will energize it with him by as he was moving his palms up and down the bottle you you were supposed to sit in front of the tv and energize the water so you can live longer so yeah so that's that's the that's the angle i'm coming from however that's partially motivated uh because what we do know about the things that we think we know, right? Like biology and economics and physics, the things that surround us and we can all like interact with one way or another, we know so little about them already. You know, it always feels like right. it's a distraction to add more speculative things that kind of uh, seemingly are easier to debunk where we have no idea how the brain works. Like we have some idea, we can kind of look at like very small processes, but then how those th- things compose together, it's, it's a complete mystery. You know, it's it's right. fascinating for, for me that we are kind of like occupied on one hand, like 
it's not even entertainment. People like really get absorbed into, into, into certain topics while there's this whole realm of things that have like a tangible impact. If we can figure out how the brain works, we can, you know, we can cure a lot of diseases, for example, like my direct experience with, is with like therapy and, and, and just overall mental health. And what I found, for example, very effective for like dealing with certain things, uh, was like trying a ketamine treatment that are legal here in California. And it's amazing how that stuff works. It's a psychedelic experience. You do it like eight sessions and, and it, it helps to, to deal with things like death in the family or something, whereas you could spend years in therapy and get nowhere because that just doesn't right. affect your brain uh, directly, right? Because brain is this, right. this interesting thing with like it's data storage, but it's a processing of that data. And, and the, when you think, you change the physical structure of your brain. And when you remember, you change the physical structure of your brain when you recall. But at the same time, you are not, there's no physical presence of you being you. There's no such thing as you. I know it's, kind of, it's mind blowing, but that, that's exactly what's happening as a consciousness, right? Right. And, and it, it, it's, I actually saw something not too long ago about them doing um, very intense mm -hmm. psychedelic mm -hmm. experiments with people who were in late stage, you know, cancer yeah. and things like that. People who, who needed to, wanted to come to terms with their mm -hmm. mortality. So they, they did these really intense psychedelic yes. experiments with them. And I would say probably nine out of 10 times they came out of it and they were just so yes. much more at ease. Yes with the whole the whole idea the efficacy of, of it is, yeah. is incredible comparing to other things that people tried you know sure. with scientific research and the the additional layer to it is that they are incredibly safe i saw a chart of like yeah. harmful substances that are let's say accessible to humans that are being consumed by humans and uh, like alcohol was number one of the, like this is the worst thing that you can do sure. to yourself and psilocybin was like right. one out of 28 and only because it has Mm, some vague relation to affecting people who have schizophrenia, for example, so they can have a psychotic, right, they right, can have right. a trigger up psychotic episode for them. But that's, sure. that's like, that's as far as risk go. And a normal person can take as much acid as you can, it can fit into them and they will be fine. They will just pass out or something, right. but they, they will come out of it yeah. changed or not. But as far as like physical, um, well-being, that will be fine, which is, Again, it's mind blowing, right? right? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. like uh, I can totally relate to, to to that cancer patient treatment because it's it's when you die, when you when you're in a K hole and you are dying, you think you are dying and you are dead, and you think that you are dead, and everything's black around you and stuff, and you're like, oh yeah, this is actually not that bad. For your brain to come up with that phrase, you know, to deal with that and you being right. okay with that state is life changing for some people, right? Because it's like the first time you could actually allow yourself to think that way. You made that thought through right. some, you know, your own stimuli. It's, it's the, this whole field is so fascinating and, and seeing that we are finally seeing some progress that, that clinical trials can be done. And of course there will be bullshit. There'll be people who will be selling it like, you know, like as a, as a miracle cure or whatever we we know there is no silver bullet but just the, the fact that it is being studied is such a such a progress for everybody the term k-hole uh that's when you when you're doing the ketamine treatments and so what is that what is that experiments experience like in terms of the, your surroundings uh 
Are you, what, yeah. what type of room are you in? Are you with in there? Yeah. So, people? so the treatment I'm doing is, is actually, you can do it at home. Uh, so you go through a screening process and they, they effectively send you the control substance to your house with directions, how to use it. And you have okay. regular check-ins with them. There are some way more expensive treatments where you just go to a place and they, uh, they put you in a room with a therapist and they hook you up with, uh, with an IV and like slowly, you know, induce the, the, the state with ketamine. And you actually have a, like a normal therapy session while being high as fuck. It's the, the videos from it are yeah. pretty fascinating. I think even Vice did an exposition on that. It is worth watching. What is different here is that every person kind of has a different experience and the type of treatment that I tried actually requires you to like put a blindfold and like put a music music in the background so that you're kind of like an isolation tank tripping the fuck out of it. Right. Um, and right. It, that's like, that's the only time where like, it's sort of like a sensory deprivation. So it's, it's like a sensory deprivation. So you're with your thoughts. So then you have to like confront them because you know, the, 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 the drug also makes you a bit more, well, let's say susceptible to having thoughts and then kind of disconnects you, you right. from yourself. So everybody has a different experience. Some people are like super connected with the world, you know, going all hippie tree hugger type of thing. I, I sure. just kept dying for the first three sessions. That's the, and the, the feeling was very pleasant. It sounds weird, but it was like, I, I guess that's what was on my mind and just like confronting that mortality in such a pleasant way. I know there's like full of contradictions, but it is a very, very unique experience. Well, no, I'm I'm just curious about the the idea that you were you mm -hmm. were dying, you and you felt like or knew that yes. you were dying yes. in these experiences. So what is what does that mean exactly? But my understanding is that it acts as an inhibitant, so it, it, you slow down certain processes or stop certain processes in your in your brain. Uh, that also means that, for example, your the way you sense things gets way more intense, touch, uh, hearing, listening music on the ketamine is, mm -hmm. I, I gotta say that's, that's the only, that's the only thing that I would like use it more like regularly, but other after effects uh, right, are just right. so bad that it's a good deterrent. Um, but putting that aside, so you experience a certain level of disassociation. You, you are you, but you can look at yourself from outside without any judgment. Therefore you can have these thoughts that, um, you know, otherwise you wouldn't think of because they can, let's say, inflict pain on you or they're just not pleasant or, you know, you're avoiding them actively, which is a cause of a lot of issues that people have in that space, in that state, right. you can kind of confront them and you can be like, oh, okay, yeah, I have this thought. I see where it's coming from. And with no judgment and no feeling attached to it, you can kind of reconcile yourself with that identity. It's so is it, is it sort of like you, you get to see yourself as, okay, this is this is a mm. human being and it's, it's, it's a human. So therefore it's mm. dying or going to die. And is that sort of how you're. That, that, that's that? one of the ones that, so the reason I did that and it's fine. Like I, because I was dealing with death in my family. Right. And it was something that hit me hard sure. and, and, and I just decided to try to see if, if it's something I can deal with not only by just being like, you know, tough in your everyday today and like not thinking about it, right? Like you have to right. confront those thoughts eventually. So this gives you like the safe space. So I think that's, that's what was triggering my brain to think about it and just realizing that, you know, I'm going to die. Everybody's going to die. And because you have those thoughts at some point, you think you're dead. It's, it's, it, I think that's how, that's how it works. Yeah. It's like, uh, you talk yourself into that state just to make, 
because you start thinking, thinking like, well, if other people are dying, I'm also going to die. How that's going to feel? And your right. brain tries to approximate that feeling for you. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And okay. yeah. Wow. And plus, because of the dissociative nature, you kind of can become anything. So I, few times I became an, an insect that was burying itself in the ground and it felt so visceral. Like I was an, actually an insect trying to bury myself underground and just to hide and be yeah. warm and something. And, and then at some point you like, you just kind of realize, oh no, I'm actually a human. Like this is weird and you go somewhere else. Um, but again, this is very much driven by like your state of mind. So if you have a bad day, don't do it because your experience is not going to be good either. Or right. you have to do right. some in intention setting to kind of get yourself into the right mindset to actually have the experience so that you can have something productive out of it. Um, that said, I'm fascinated by people who use this drug for like partying. I don't know how they do it because I have so many physical side effects. Like the vision is blurred. I, you, you lose your balance. You have to like stay two hours sitting on the couch to be able to get up. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a tough one. So I don't know how people can just That sounds take really it. intense. It really does. I mean, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it is. How many times have you done this? Uh, I just, yeah, I finished my, my, uh, the eighth uh, session wow. some, some time ago and, and yeah, they go fast and I, that's it. I'm not going to do it again in a long time. It's, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> I did what I had to do. I tried it. I did my, my research and, and I'm like, okay, I, I actually think that a lot of people should do it in certain cases. Uh, it is, it could be very helpful to, to them if other means of, let's say, taking care of their mental health are not working. It, not something I'd recommend doing on just like, let's just casually do ketamine. <laughs> Uh, not those amounts that you are prescribed, at least. I don't know what other people do. It just it just seems like a very intense, very personal. Uh, do you would you say it's helped you cope with mortality in some yes. ways? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was that was not 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 why I did it, right. but that payoff is actually pretty huge. It what? fundamentally changed uh, a lot of my thinking about things and and just even silly things like taking chances you know we are here for all we know this is like the only existence we we get we should just maximize our impact on other people and 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 also ourselves and just sure. do things rather than be scared of doing them uh is this a good time to break for another song absolutely okay. i think we all have this clarity so let's go with clarity do we have a special guest on this song Yes. Oh, yeah. That was one of my favorite tracks. Uh, I, all my all my tracks are favorite, but this one is the favoriteest um, because I, I got in touch with with DFC when I was visiting my family in Colombia and I was just making beats there, mm -hmm. and and I sent him those too because he was he said on Twitter, "Oh, I'm doing features." I'm like, "Okay, shit, that's my chance. Like, yeah. I gotta take it." So I sent him the the beat folder, and like within 15 minutes, he he came back, we're like, okay, deal. We, we are doing these two. He picked those two beats, uh, one for Clarity, second one for, for Pulse, that also is on, on Fragments. And uh, I think the record, the, the verse for Clarity landed in my inbox like four hours later. Yeah. It was incredibly yeah. fast. Yeah. The FC is, is a machine, like, the, the dude is Absolutely. incredible. And then I was sitting on the track, I had the guitar solo recorded with my friend, uh, David and and I was thinking, well, it sounds good, but like uh, I was seeing Love Ulysses, he was also like 
posting on Twitter like videos of him playing on guitar, like, hmm, that, that could work. Yeah. So I, I hit him up and again, within days I had his verse and, and putting the track together a few months later was like, oh, yeah. We're going to take a listen to Clarity featuring Def C and Love Ulysses and we'll be right back. <laughs> name where Luke chopped the drums at, had it up the hair in the Rubicons, not above that, walk in the studio, leave it a crematorium, fitting off the new crack, could hear people's ringing off again, why is every scene in the wall with them, good question, I'm giving last rights to this mic and took lessons, deep space death jokes weapons, still in the arsenal, they verses got less lines than confessionals at carnival, clip the wings of their cardinal, church on the move now, faith hard to find, this goose down in the hoose gal, the pound's favorite booze hound. Fans sorry was a dog, my idols left me more odd. Called rock in my lawn, no time to be an angel. See the angle, write the numbers down. Bat signal for my hustles, the sound of daughter's stomach growl. Pocket the winning hand, even when I shuffle styles and river fire air breaking new Martian shuttle ground. Death. A brand new pair of cheese skates. You know the scores on gifted guitar. A sloppy technique, but with the cheese face. A time when knowing a lot more had made my cheeks gray. Like curiosity stops as the moon rises on a free day. You know it's not grand theft every time a cheat saved. And probably your inner child wisdom breaching through that police brain. Five stars slap the fuck out of an office and friendly replaced. And cut the gestation sack, burn the eggs and they keep faith. Got a lot more to go. With skin lined with more gold. We think most people die pouring old eyes. Had a hot tummy by the Northern Pole. Me and my intuition talked about the frustration of all the things that sports to show. Like, just follow me. Uh, we go together like Wu Tang and Wallabies. A specific hell and hollow trees. Cause on this side, I'm like, I know y'all in there. He felt it from his muddy kicks through the railroad tracks in his head. Yeah. had a question to you uh, sure. about about the podcast like you're doing it just for fun or is it something that you actually think that it will last longer like how what is your what is your thinking around it now 
I uh, that's a great question. You know, I went into this having absolutely zero expectations, and it Mm -hmm. just sort of started as me posting something on Twitter, and people seemed to be interested in it. So I I thought I'd try it. Um, The reason that I really wanted to do this is the same reason I really wanted to do this little album project I I released during quarantine called Sup Bub. Mm -hmm. It's because the moniker of unsung has been so serious and so um, sort of at best melancholy <laughs> in terms of uplifting right. abilities. So I think Subbub was my first introduction to, I can kind of be goofy and, mm-hmm. and you know, still be kind of downbeat, but be funny also. Yes. So I, I think that my entire life and who I am and who my friends and family know me as is somebody who's really strange and funny. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where that came in. That's and then between my love for, you know, just independent hip hop, independent music in general, but you know, mostly hip hop and just my, my love of paranormal things. That was the only thing missing <laughs> from Got that it. trifecta. No, that, that's fascinating yeah. because it, it's a, it's a, very interesting balance for MCs. Like, where you, the person that you're in, you know, normal life, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and that your rap persona, how different are those? How, inter- you know, some people, you know, have a complete alter ego, not the same person. Right. Some people are like, they are them 100%, Absolutely. for better or for worse. And, yeah. <laughs> and how, how you balance that. And then, in general, as an artist, like, do you box yourself into like a specific sound and genre or are you pull off an ass and you do whatever and, you know, kind of kind of works sometimes kind of doesn't, you know, old fans hate it. But, you know, right, like, right, it's it's a very mm, it's a tough, tough, tough thing for a creative person. I think it, I mean? and I think that a lot of that depends on who you not necessarily idolize, but who your influences are hmm. in terms of those different worlds. Um, and for me, musically, ever since I was in high school, it's it's been, you know, Radiohead mm-hmm. is one of my biggest influences. And mm-hmm. I think just the fact that they've managed to change their direction, their sound, and, and stay, you know, of a particular mindset, mm-hmm. I think that's influenced me musically, continue to try to change what I'm doing right and and get better and not try as hard as i can to not rely on the same the same sounds that i used to and hmm. to try to grow and i think in terms of comedy there's a there was a sketch comedy show called mr show uh, hmm. back in Sounds the familiar. late 90s it was bob odenkirk and david cross oh yeah i think i've seen clips from that yeah, yeah. and it, it was such a subversive show and it mm-hmm. was so meta you know so aware of what it was doing so i think that has greatly influenced me in terms of comedy so i think those two worlds to to constantly want to change and to better myself while Mm -hmm. still being aware of who i am and being observant about it and the ways that i make it and making that part of the show itself Mm -hmm. i those are the two things that i'm drawn towards yes in a way I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Because this way you can just keep on going. You can experiment right. with whatever formulas you want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It, what about you? Where do you fit in with your music, your personality? I think this is a good time to answer the first question, which is like how I came to making music. Because that, sure. that, is, that is an integral component, just like you were mentioning Radiohead. You know, it is a 
band that influences also how you think about being an artist, right? And how your music right. involves and seeing that you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into just one genre or one expression mm -hmm. of a genre. So, because again, I'm from Eastern Europe, so I was not that influenced as a, as a kid in, into listening music. I was just listening to what my dad was listening and there was a lot of rock and, and heavy metal and also whatever was on the radio. And because again, it was communism and stuff. So the, the let's say Western music, as we, you would call it, uh, meaning like uh, British music or, or from the US wasn't as that, that prominent. It was only like the, the, the biggest of the biggest hits ever. Uh, from yeah. the 80s that you will hear on the radio, but no deep cuts, everything will be local. So until I, I heard like Wu-Tang in 94, I had no idea that hip hop existed. Right. And therefore like music wasn't really something that I even thought I can I can do because it's like, well, it looks like you have to play an instrument or you have to know how to sing. I was not interested right. in singing, neither. <laughs> I, was, I was interested in instruments, I always failed my music classes. But then the the, DIY-ness of, of, of hip hop is what makes it so accessible because I was able to just make music on, on a, a PC, you know, in the, the late right. 90s, early 2000s using tracker right. software or, or some free versions of, of professional, you know, uh, software like Samplitude and, and Cubase and or downloading cracks like everybody else. Um, and, and I was just able to do that without knowing anything about music theory and nothing about like composition, nothing like that. But I was just trying to emulate what I heard because I liked the sound and, and just just making those carbon copies of like Pete Rock and, and, and Premiere Beats. But, but that's how I was learning, because for me, it's just like a creative expression in terms of like building things. It's not necessarily what comes with music as a, you're this personality and you have fans and so on. I'm, I'm, I'm more fascinated with just with the process of making it. It's mm -hmm. like an art for art's sake in a way, uh, because it's just like building stuff. Therefore, it's, it's, it's just like a different outlet that I have for, for an interest. Not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily show my personality, if that makes sense. Like I have all these titles for these tracks, they mean nothing because they just they are just things that I come up with when when consuming edibles or just having conversations. But as right. as far as music comes, it's more about like a oh yeah, how a, a track would sound if the title is Lavish Pyramids. Well, let's find out. But there's nothing to it more. There's no Lavish Pyramid with a story behind it. Right. But don't you think that there's some there has to be a little bit of personality when it comes to you first hearing something and going, this is my, this, oh, this is, this sounds like it would be my style. Yes. Yes. You know? Yeah. That, that's the, that's, I was getting to like the contradiction of it because at the same time, it's like a preference, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm going right, to express right. myself this way. I'm not going to, uh, I don't know, make a, a techno track or whatever, but like I'm expressing yeah. myself. That's why it's like a weird contradiction because right. I think that's that just more affects beat makers and producers. It's just a harder medium to express your feelings, let's say. I mean, mm -hmm. DJ Shadow did it in introducing and everybody kind of failed after that. <laughs> it's so high, it's such yeah. a high bar <laughs> in like expressive music because you can feel that guy's mood. I am curious with, with a lot of folks who, who make a certain genre of music too. Like, like you were saying, when you were growing up, you kind of understood it as, um, unless you play an instrument or sing, then you don't really make music until you, you know, heard some Wu-Tang. But if you could sing, if you could play an instrument, would you make hip hop music? Yes. You know, yeah. and that's what I've asked myself multiple times too. You know, if, if, 
if I was like a really, really good singer and I could play the guitar really well, which I can do, I can do both somewhat, somewhat poorly, <laughs> you know, would I, would I still be rapping? Would I still be doing that? It, do you think you would be making beats and things like that if you were, if you felt more proficient at singing or, you know, playing guitar or? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. I never thought about it that way. Um, hmm. Let me, let me think. This is, this is a good one. Well, I did did have to teach myself like at least some music theory to uh, to mm -hmm. be able to let's say like play some small phrases or filling some gaps in like the sure. things that I sample uh, and right. all the way to actually making tracks with no samples at all. And those are like the most fun in a way, but they have the sometimes I the when when I listen to them like they have less feeling, let's say. It's very hard to like conjure that feeling I, of like live instruments. I know what you mean, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um mm -hmm. but if I were to like, like know like very well how to play keys, I would probably then go more into jazz, and right. that that sort yeah. of more free um, genres because then I would feel right. like man, I can just go to town with like these eighty one eighty eight keys and like you know go for it like Chick Corea did or, and and, and right. others. Um, but I think I would always come back to hip hop because of like the yeah just just the sound of it the fact that it samples yeah. it's like this 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 raw form where like you know people are very open about their inspirations you know it's like yeah we kind of respect the history of the genre that doesn't really happen in other genres like as far as like i understand it um it's all, all the offshoots right. of hip-hop and hip-hop itself are like that connected i believe if if i were to answer my own question in that sense i've thought about it and yeah, I'd probably record more music of other genres, mm -hmm. um, but I would always come back to hip hop. Aside from just having a, a deep love for it, my almost my entire life, mm -hmm. it's also since it, since I like to rap, um, it gives me a chance to be more verbose, and I'm so bad at subtlety. So to have like a like a singer songwriter song where you have to really choose your words wisely and use them sparsely mm -hmm. i don't think that would work as well for me mm. because i like to say more right oh <laughs> yeah know? with i like to say more with more words i think there's a beauty and a subtlety to not doing that um which is an art in its own way but i do like the the wordiness mm -hmm. of hip-hop too yeah, the the imagery can be more vivid and more direct. That that's for me is a is a huge thing where I can actually engage yeah. in a story. Like the same story could be so sung, let's say, but it's you're gonna right. you're gonna more stuff will be left to the interpretation. For example, right? Yeah, and I think there's I think one of one of my favorite things to do is to talk around something mm -hmm. when I'm writing a song and never actually bring it up directly, but still create a visual idea for it. Right. So I think that's harder to do with less words. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can you know? I can see that. That's why whenever I work with yeah. MCs, I just give them like, this is the beat. You just you go for it. Right. I'm not gonna even. <laughs> I cannot. I'm never influencing people over the, what they are supposed to write the topic. Right. Is there anything else you wanted to cover today? Um, the only thing that I was going to plug is is I have some work upcoming. I don't know when because I'm I'm in Absolutely. the middle of moving and doing other other real life stuff. Uh, sure. But there there is music coming out for sure i have i have some let's say a, a spiritual uh second uh fragments album that i don't know yet how i'm going to title which has a very stacked lineup and um, i don't want to reveal it just yet if you know you know 
And I also am working on an album. I'm producing a whole album for Rapman Gavin. We don't know yet when that's going to come out, but like I'm very stoked about this one. It's 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 love Gavin. Yes, he, he he's fantastic. So that's I'm looking forward to wrapping that that up uh, in the next few months and and seeing what will happen. That's great. I can't wait to hear it, and I can't wait for people to hear your music and dig into it if they haven't already, or at least you know if they already have listen to it again uh buy some music on bandcamp yes please and just tell a friend i don't need the money i just need more listeners yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah both are good things but yes listeners listeners are great. yes indeed <laughs> all right thank you so much for uh joining me today um really appreciate it uh so the final track that you're going to hear tonight is uh, stealth r us uh, this is a nice callback to you know talking about like watching garbage tv and not believing what people say there was a phase when i was very much into like reality tv and i was watching survivor mm -hmm. and 90 day fiance yeah. they're fantastic and still for us like that, i sampled that from one of the uh, survivor episodes and uh, somehow stuck <laughs> <laughs> let's listen to stealth or us and that's from the Alvage album uh spillage volume, volume one. one volume two is in the works as well one day yes, yes. We're going to repeat them four times, and you can you can alter their relationship by using the treble control. Stealth are us, and I am known as the specialist. 